Uh, normally I'm in the back or I'm sitting in the back or uh, hiding in the back or something like that, but um, it's an honor. Um, thank you all. Uh, one of the things I share uh, when I teach, um, just because I think it takes the uh, pressure off of me, is that I stutter. Um, I think everybody here knows that already, but just to get it, you know, just time to get it out of the way. Um, if I uh, block up on something, we'll all get there together and it'll be okay. You're not going to be but so late after dinner tonight. Um, so let's uh, pray and then we'll uh, jump into God's word in uh, Matthew 17. Father, thank you for your church. Lord, um, I pray that you would use my uh, stammering tongue and make much of your son. In your name, amen. Um, have you ever had an experience that just kind of left you in awe? Something you saw or heard or um, somewhere you went that just left you in shock and in awe? Uh, Sarah and I, it's been years ago had an opportunity to go on what became essentially a uh, free uh, vacation which was uh, really awesome and went to uh, Phoenix Arizona Um, and I think the best thing we did out there as you might imagine when you go out there the one thing you have to do is see the Grand Canyon of course so we went and saw it and I was expecting a big I don't know like a lead up uh, walkway like a uh, big I'm not sure, just like something you would walk into that would like announce, like, here you are. That didn't happen. Like, we walked out, and we walked up a uh, a few stairs and down a sidewalk, and there's not a rail or anything. It's just the edge of the canyon. And I stood there in complete shock. It's so amazing that for the first probably uh, uh, five minutes, uh, really, I believed it was not real. Like, you're looking at, and it's just like, that can't be real. Like, it's got to be a picture. It's got to be a painting. It can't be real because it just, it looks so amazing. It's got to be fake. But it wasn't. And as we walked around the canyon for that day, and as I followed uh, the wildlife around the canyon that day, and as we did all these things, I was just left in complete shock of what we had seen. I'm in the passage for this afternoon. We're going to read about uh, some men who were probably in much uh, greater shock than I was at a canyon because they saw Jesus glorified. Um, So it's important, though, that we understand the context of the passage. The number one rule that you learn about uh, reading the Bible is that context is king. So that is the number one thing we have to get and understand. Um, if you know about the Gospels, if you know the story, then you would know uh, that uh, Jesus has been um, teaching. He's been doing uh, miracles and signs and uh, wonders. He's drawn a big uh, multitude that kind of uh, follows him and goes wherever he goes because they like the show, right? When uh, lame people uh, walk and uh, blind people see, you're going to get some people to follow you around to see what's going on. It's exciting. It's fun to watch, and you want to uh, see it and uh, be involved in it. The more immediate uh, context here is uh, Matthew 16. 
uh, where Jesus asked uh, the disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, well, most of them think that you're a, uh, a prophet. And that's a misunderstanding about who what Jesus is that uh, still persists. That's, that's not a new thing. That's something that people have believed since he was physically here on earth. But then Jesus flips the question around, and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, who is normally the first to speak, he is the most hard-headed, quick-to-speak, but also uh, brave and uh, daring, and he's the one in the boat who steps out on the water. None of the other guys are willing to step out. That's who he is. He speaks up, and he has his most triumphant moment of his whole life, at least I would believe so, when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you for a flesh and blood. I did not show you this, but my Father who is in heaven. That's important because Jesus is about to show that what Peter has, says, has said is true. He really is the Messiah. He really is the Son of God. So we'll jump in. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. If you think about the people who are following Jesus around in circles, like starting with the biggest circle and then not working your way in. In the biggest circle out here, you've got the multitudes. That's the people that we talked about who are just here for the show. They're just there for uh, the signs and wonders. They just want to see what's happening. But when Jesus says something hard, those people typically leave because they're not really there to follow, which leads us to the next circle in, which would be uh, followers. You're thinking about uh, Mary, uh, uh, Martha. Uh, these are the people that are there that uh, follow him around, but they believe what he's teaching about the kingdom of God. They believe he is who he says he is. Then at one circle in, you've got uh, 12 men that he called that uh, follow him around, the disciples. He uh, picked them, and they are with him literally all day every day. It was a normal thing for rabbis to have followers in that day. And there was a saying that the dust of your rabbi should be covering you. That's how close you should be to your rabbi. That was what these men were. But then there's one more circle. On the inside of the inside circle, you've got Peter, James, and John. So to the reader of the gospel here, it's not a surprise that these are the men who go up on the mountain with Jesus. Then the action starts. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. I think sometimes we read that, and we just kind of, yeah, I mean, he's Jesus. What do you expect? But think about what these men are experiencing. As best you can, put yourself there. You're on the mountain with this man who you've been walking and uh, uh, teaching with. And he's suddenly 
not like you're used to seeing him. This is Jesus as he really is. Jesus is God in flesh. He laid aside his uh, glory. He took on skin and bones and he uh, limited himself. But this is a glimpse of Jesus as he truly is. This is the one that was there in Genesis 1 when God said, Let us make man in our image. This is the one that's there in John 1 when John says that he is the word of God made flesh through whom everything was made. He's the one that Paul says is the image of the invisible God who reigns supreme over all things. He's the one the author of Hebrews would say is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Who holds the universe by the word of his power. And he's the one that John would say is going to be surrounded with every tribe and tongue pouring out a worship because he alone is worthy. This is Jesus the Christ. Fully glorified. Think about what they're seeing. This is not just a cute uh, story. This really happened. I think sometimes we read the Bible and forget this really happened. They saw Jesus, the King of kings, fully glorified in front of them. As if that is not enough. And behold, there appeared with them Moses and Elijah, uh, who were talking with him. Now you may think, what's the big deal about these guys? Well, They've been dead for several hundred years, which is the first big deal about these guys. It's not like they climbed up the other side of the mountain and met him at the top. Like, these guys have been dead for a very long time. But there's something else that's important here about why it's uh, these two guys as opposed to just somebody else. And for us to fully uh, get that, we have to look a little bit ahead in the story. So Jesus is going to uh, die on the cross. He's going to uh, rise from the dead. And after that, in Luke 24, he's, he's uh, walking with some followers on a road to a city that's called Emmaus. And it says at first they didn't not recognize who he was. But what Jesus did was he basically explained the scriptures, which would be everything left of uh, Matthew in our Bible. He explained the scriptures, and he told them how the scriptures were all about him. And here's what it says in Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, like Elijah, he interpreted the scriptures for all the things concerning himself. So here we are in Matthew 17, and he's on the mountain with Moses, who's the law, and Elijah, who's the prophets. It's not just a random group of guys who have met him on this mountain. It means something. It's Moses saying that this is the one who will uphold the law. It's Elijah saying this is the one we told you was going to come. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one you've waited for. This is him. It's intentional that these two men are up on the mountain with Jesus. Now, a side note about what uh, Jesus says about himself in Luke 
27. He says that the scriptures are all about him. It's a bold thing to say, unless you're God, which he is. But this is important for us as we read the Bible. The Bible is not about uh, me. The Bible is not about uh, you. We are not uh, David or uh, Moses or Joshua or Noah. The Bible is about Jesus. If we read a story and make it about ourselves, if we read a story and not make ourselves the hero of the story, we have read that story wrongly. Jesus is on every page of the scriptures. So now that we know what's going on, let's go back to uh, Peter, who we're going to be focusing on for a lot of the rest of our time. Like I said, he's normally the first one to speak up, and he's got kind of a uh, Michael Scott thing that he does where he'll start a sentence but doesn't really know where it's going to end. I feel like he does that from time to time, and this is uh, one of those times because his, uh, so he's standing on a mountain with uh, Jesus glorified in front of him with two uh, pillars of the faith who have been uh, dead for hundreds of uh, years, and his uh, grand analysis of the situation is, Lord, it is good that we are here. Thank you, Peter. (laughs) Then he volunteers to make uh, tents for them. Where he's getting the materials for these tents and how he's going to build these tents, I do not know. It is not in the scriptures. I'm guessing he's not just uh, carrying around enough uh, stuff to make uh, tents with. But that's Peter. He's going to figure it out, right? But I love his heart, though. You get the sense that He's sitting in this experience that's really good, and he just doesn't want it to end. He's just so happy with what's happening here that he just wants it to keep going. Lord, you know, I'll figure out how to build these tents, whatever it's going to take. Let's just stay here for as long as you'll let us. Because this is really, really good what's happening here. The Father speaks from heaven sort of uh, cuts Peter off, probably saves him up from himself, <laughs> speaks from heaven, and these men fall on their faces, as I can only imagine is the only response when you hear the voice of God from heaven. They're in shock and scared, and uh, then it's over. And they look up, and it's Jesus, as they've always known him. It's the rabbi they walked with. It's the carpenter from Galilee just standing there. Think about what just happened for these men. As best you can, think about what it was like to be up there on the mountain. You're probably tired from the hike. If you're anything like me, you're wondering why Jesus brought you up a mountain anyway. If he needs to be alone to pray, he could have left me at the bottom, or he could have prayed on the ground instead of up on a mountain. But then suddenly, there he is in front of you, the king of kings, full glory, with Moses and Elijah. Certainly this would have changed you forever. 
you would never be the same. What you had just seen would be something that you would tell to everybody you met. It would be your number one story at every party, and nobody could ever beat you with their story. This would change you forever. Think about what they saw. Now for us, I, you know, I doubt that any of us have seen uh, Jesus in the flesh glorified like this. But maybe you've had a spiritual experience like this that just changed you forever. Maybe it's something you like to uh, remember and uh, go back there in your mind. I think about when I finally decided to stop running from God and surrender to uh, ministry. It's a moment I think about and it was a big, big deal to me. It changed the course of my life. Maybe for you it happened in college at a ministry or at a camp when you were younger or with your family or with an older man or woman who was teaching you how to walk with Jesus or whatever that moment in your life is where you look back and think that's a moment where I'll never be the same because of that or a season of your life where you think I'll never be the same because of this season of my life. Don't you like to think back on that and uh, reflect on that and remember it? I can imagine that Peter would have done the same thing, and we actually are uh, blessed enough to have his uh, recording. 30 years after the fact, he looks back on this uh, moment up on the mountain, and what's he going to say? In 2 uh, Peter 1, 16 through 21, He looks back on this and recounts this experience he had. He recounts that moment where he was up on that mountain with Jesus. And what's he going to say? For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father... And the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. That's how we know this is our story. So what's he going to say? What's going to be the grand analysis of this experience after he's uh, looked back on it for 30 years? What's he going to say? And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Some translations say more sure. To which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter looks back on what had to be the most amazing experience of his life and his analysis of it is you have something more fully confirmed than what I saw on that mountain. You have something more sure than what I experienced. 
something up more sure than what I saw with my own eyes, more sure than that day with Moses and Elijah and Jesus on the mountain where God the Father spoke from heaven, more sure. And what is that thing? The Word of God. The Scriptures. He's talking about the Bible. The Word of God is more sure than what three men saw on the mountain that day. And we know this because he goes on and says, uh, nothing that's in the scriptures is just written down because somebody thought it sounded good. Men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote the holy, infallible word of God. This is not just a storybook. It's not just that one of many sacred writings and books. It's not your playbook for life. It's not your basic instructions before leaving earth or whatever little thing we try to put on it. This is the holy word of God. More sure than any experience that anyone has ever had. I would dare say if I told you that on Monday, Jesus is going to be at uh, Wrightsville Beach, sitting on the end of the pier in all his glory. The only thing that you have to do to see him is you have to block out half an hour of your day. Maybe the real miracle is getting on and off of the beach in half an hour. (laughs) But if you block off half an hour of your day, you can see Jesus in all his glory, uh, physically. I would dare say none of us would miss that. We'd get up half an hour early. We'd go on our lunch break. We'd stay up half an hour late. We would do whatever it took for us to be out there and see that. But day after day after day, we make excuses for our not reading the Word of God. And I say this as humbly as I can. Maybe the real reason we're not is because we just don't think it's that important. Uh, Guys, I've been saying for years that I'm going to get in shape. You can see what's before you. It it ain't happening, okay? (laughs) When I got a a job at the hospital, I can go to the gym for $10 a month. Of course I joined. It's $10 a month. Do you think I've darkened the door of that gym? No. No. Not one time since the tour where they showed us around. You know why? It's not because I don't have time. Of course I have time. I do all kinds of stuff with my time. It's because it's not that important to me. I heard a a, a quote from uh, um, John uh, Piper about uh, prayer. But I think it fits with reading the scriptures also. He said, one of the great uses for social media is going to be on the last day to show that prayerlessness was not for lack of time. Wouldn't it be the same for reading our Bibles? Let me stop and say I understand that reading the Bible is hard. Just a few pages over, Peter is going to say, some of that stuff that Paul writes is really hard to understand. 
And I think we could all say yes and amen. I'm, I still don't get it. But in the day and age that, uh, that uh, we live, where you can carry the Bible around in your pocket on your phone, you can get an app that will uh, read the Bible up to you out loud. You can get an app that's not just that a boring, monotonous man's voice of reading the Bible out loud to you. There are podcasts that will help you read the Bible and understand it. There are study helps and books and commentaries that will help you understand it. There really is no excuse for the people of God to not be reading the Word of God. So why does this matter to me? And why does it matter to you? And why do I believe it matters to God? There's a really simple uh, principle at work here. And it's this. You become like what you behold. And that's something that we all are familiar with, right? Like you listen to the radio and that song gets stuck in your head. Or I'm uh, 32 years old. And there are things I do, uh, little uh, mannerisms and things I do that scare me to death because they are just like my dad. I mean just like my dad. Like when my dad wears a long sleeve shirt, his watch gets like hung up in the sleeve. There's a certain way he pulls it out of the sleeve. And that's the same way I pull my watch out of my sleeve. And the first time I caught myself doing it, I just kind of facepalmed and was like, oh, gosh, I'm becoming my dad. Now, that's a bad thing. I love my dad. I respect my dad a ton. But why do I do that? Well, because for 20 years of my life, I saw the man every single day. So I became like him. We understand this. The people that we spend time with, we become like. We pick up mannerisms or phrases or things they say and do. We become like the people that we spend time with. In the same way, if you want your life and character to look like a, a Jesus, you have to spend time with him. Holiness will never happen by accident. Now, when we hear the phrase that spend time with Jesus, there's a lot of things we think about. Uh, one of the things you think about is maybe uh, small groups, spending time with other uh, Uh, believers. I'm in charge of uh, small groups here, and while I am uh, fiercely introverted and would be uh, just fine if you left me alone with my books, I, I absolutely love living our life with people here in our church. Speaking of my books, I have shelves and boxes of books many of which are uh, spiritual growth or uh, theological or they're good books that will help me love God. We love uh, worship uh, music in our house. Um, it plays a lot. But none of these things hold a candle to the way that God has revealed himself in his word.
These things are great, but they are not God-breathed, just the Scriptures are. When I was in uh, middle school or high school, I forget, uh, my sister had taken a liking to this uh, painting by uh, Van Gogh called Starry Night. I think that's the name of it. I'm from, I'm from up Pine Top, so I don't know very much about uh, paintings and uh, fine art, but... Um, <laughs> She'd taken a liking to uh, A Starry Night by Van Gogh, okay? But my dad was a uh, pastor. My mom was a uh, teacher. So the Melancons were not buying a Van Gogh. Just was not in the cards for us. So what did she do? She went to a store that sold uh, uh, copies and she bought a copy of this painting, like this big. She hung it up in her room, and she loved it, and it was uh, wonderful. But it wasn't the real thing. Uh, good books and uh, uh, worship uh, music and spending time with your friends are good things, but they are not the real thing. The real way that God has shown himself is in his word. Don't settle for a knockoff when you can have the real thing. One of the most important lessons I ever learned about teaching the word of God was from uh, Dr. Aiken at Southeastern. And he said... A good surgeon will inflict a wound on you. He said, a good surgeon will cut you open, but then they'll sew you back up. Guys, as I read over this, I understood a lot of this sounded very much like I'm saying, you need to do better. You need to read your Bible. And my fear was that this would come across as you feeling like God is uh, looking down on you, uh, disappointed in the way you've been acting. He's not happy with the fact you're not uh, reading your Bible, and God is upset with you. That's not the message this afternoon. The message this afternoon is that Peter saw Jesus fully glorified, and he said, you have something more sure than that. And God, as your loving Father, is not a looking down on you, uh, disappointed in you, but is lovingly saying, read my word because it is good for you. And because I love you. I can't imagine what that experience must have been like for those men up on that mountain. And in a day and age when we chase um, experiences as hard as we can. It's tempting to think maybe that was as good as it gets. But we have something they never had. We have the full word of God that we would do well to read. Let's pray.